0: Awesome show today. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. And don't, don't I sound Jack? Don't I sound excited? We got a smoke show right in studio. Uncle Jimmy is on the path to recovery. I have good news there. But I have even better news. We got a replacement for Uncle Jimmy while he's on injured reserve just for a couple of days. Shamika Michelle in studio right here in Nashville. Don't I look happy? I mean, look how happy I look. Should should I be this happy, Shamika? You should be that happy. Yeah, I I am that happy. It's it's so much, you know, normally when I look to the right, I prepare myself to be disappointed. It's just Uncle Jimmy over there. Now when I look to the right, I'm like, (laughs) oh my god. Shamok Show in studio. The newest voice uh, added to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Uh, I'm so glad you came to visit us from North Carolina. Glad to have you here for a couple days. Everybody's gonna be here this week. Delano's in town right now. He'll be here in studio with us tomorrow. uh, The smartest man on the show. Uh, Later in the week, Steve Kim's gonna be here, uh, filling in for Uncle Jimmy. Uh, Leonidas Johnson's gonna come, come down from Ohio Uh, to visit with us so big week. Everybody's standing in the gap, filling in for Uncle Jimmy. Uncle Jimmy uh, went through surgery on Saturday and is on the path to recovery. Uh, Right now we put him on injured reserve, probably maybe for the next four to eight weeks. Uh, I wouldn't call him day to day. He's on injured reserve right now, Uh, but he is on the path to recovery. So we have that good news and even better than that. I got fires to start today. Uh, We're going to go to Jacksonville, Florida, and visit with uh, our good friend, friend of the show, Dennis Evans. Uh, We're going to talk about Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer, who's issued an apology. We're also going to talk with Dennis about uh, the new Sopranos movie. Uh, The Many Saints of Newark came out on HBO Max. And then we're gonna start by talking about Bill Belichick. But uh, Shamika, I got a little special gift for you before we get rolling. Have you seen our intro we prepared for you? No. Uh, Yeah, we we got a whole special, like Delano type intro for Shamika Michelle. Uh, Could we play? It's only like ten seconds, but let's show the uh, intro for Shamika. Jamok show.
1: I don't know what. I love that. it.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if. I, do you like the music? I'm not sure about the music. Play that again. Play that again. I want. Zoom in on it. Play it again. I I, I like the music, it, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Let me let me see this. Oh! I think I like it better the second time. It makes me say. All right, let me start this fire. All what right. do you think of, did you have a take on the music?
1: Uh, it's a little bit more rock sounding yeah. than I would like, but you know. You want know. soul
0: or, or hip hop? Hip hop soul. You want hip hop soul? Yeah, <laughs> all right. We'll, we'll work on that, I th- we'll, we'll, we'll work on that. You know, Chris is a hip hop expert. Okay. Uh, and so he, I'm sure he'll be working on a beat as this show uh, progresses today. All right. Uh, all right, let me get to my fire starter on uh, Bill Belichick. My takeaway from the historic Tom Brady, Bill Belichick class Sunday night is rather unusual. We've created a culture so soft, so free of uncomfortable truth that it's nearly impossible for anyone to do their job at a high level. We're all on eggshells, afraid of causing a moment's discomfort, worried we might say something that can be twisted for clicks and tricks terrified we could lose access to someone important. Bill Belichick blew last night's football game. He needed to be called out on NBC's telecast. It didn't happen because our safe space culture frowns on mild critique. In the final minute of Tampa Bay's 1917 victory over the Patriots, Belichick continued his bad streak of poor decision making. A streak that started the day, he decided he'd rather move on from Tom Brady rather than acquiesce to Brady's small demands. Facing fourth and three with 59 seconds to play, Belichick sent Nick Folk onto the field to attempt a 56-yard field goal in the pouring rain and against the wind. The kick would have given New England the lead by a single point. Tampa Bay still had two timeouts and Tom Brady, Make or miss, it was a really dumb decision. It was too much time on the clock. A week ago, on Sunday Night Football, Aaron Rodgers drove the Green Bay Packers into field goal range at 37 seconds without any timeout. On Tampa's previous possession, Brady tossed two would-be long TD passes to receiver Antonio Brown. Brown lost the first one in the rain and the lights. He dropped the second, a perfect rainbow that descended from the heavens. But There was more. Patriots rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, earned the right to throw at least one more pass. He'd completed 31 of 40 passes on the night against a secondary that had to get Richard Sherman off the streets and put him in the starting lineup. They lost another starting defensive back midway through the game. What the hell was Belichick thinking? There was no indication that this moment was too big for Matt Jones. It was for Bill Belichick. He choked. Al Michaels and Chris Collingworth, NBC's terrific broadcast team, never commented on the foolishness of Bre- Belichick's decision. I can't really blame them. Our culture overreacts to criticism. Had they second-guessed Belichick's obvious error from the broadcast booth, they would become the story not Belichick. Ow, Michaels and Chris Collinsworth blast Belichick! That would have been a headline. There would be endless debate about the appropriateness of criticizing the greatest coach in NFL history, a six-time Super Bowl winner. Belichick could become even more aloof and dismissive. He could treat Michaels and Collinsworth the way he does the rest of the media, with disdain. Better to leave the discussion of Belichick's boneheaded strategy to Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless. Easy to ignore football experts. I'm not criticizing Michaels, Collinsworth, Smith or Bayless. I'm criticizing the culture created by social justice warriors. They've outlawed legitimate criticism. They've cultivated safe spaces for elites. Fair criticism is defined as hate or racism. Multi-millionaire football players wear helmets with slogans attached to the back that demand we stop hate and end racism. They're warm and fuzzy sentiments with no tangible finish line or path. What the sentiments create is hostility toward truth and fear of honest discussion we've eliminated Howard Cosell from the broadcast booth and replaced him with cheerleaders. What's the point of knowing the game at a high level if you're prevented from discussing what you know? This is a culture problem, not a football problem, not a Collinsworth and Al Michaels problem. They're bowing to the culture. Bill Belichick, like LeBron James and Greg Popovich, Barack Obama, Beyonce, and the highest of them all, St. George Floyd. Belichick has ascended to heights not achieved by Martin Luther King Jr., John F. Kennedy, and Michael Jordan in his playing prime. Belichick is an icon above serious questioning. He's football Jesus. It's an honor to share the planet with Belichick. Again, I'm criticizing the culture, not Belichick. Questioning Belichick's decision making does not diminish Belichick. He's proven his greatness. His status as football's greatest coach isn't up for debate. What can and should be questioned is whether he's lost a coaching step or two. No one sits on the throne forever. Belichick miscalculated on Brady. Not as bad as the Boston Red Sox, Babe Ruth miscalculation. But Belichick clearly gave up on his star pupil three years too soon. And guess what? Belichick probably pushed Brady aside out of fear of the woke mob. Belichick was trapped by his history of letting his stars, Ty Law, Richard Seymour, Lawyer Malloy, leave a year too early rather than a year too late. Had Belichick made an exception for Brady, the woke sports media would have accused the legendary coach of providing Brady white privilege. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Does it sound crazier than statues of George Floyd? Crazier than Maria Taylor insinuating Drew Brees is racist because he defended the flag of the national anthem? Crazier than arguing that men can have babies? The American media eat crazy for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and bedtime snacks. Our country is crazy because we've let social media apps outlaw any truth that causes the slightest discomfort. We've gone from no pain, no gain to whatever annoys, destroys. Here's the real irony. The softening of America is why Belichick is in decline. Not the absence of Brady can't be Bill Belichick in a soft culture. And this culture is way too soft. Ow! You feel that heat, Shamika? I do, I do.
1: (laughs) It's feeling nice and warm too.
0: (laughs) They do have the studio a little warmer here than I I like to keep it, but I heard that was at your request. Uh, Let's roll out to Jacksonville, Florida and bring in a friend of the show, uh, longtime sportscaster Dennis Evans, who's uh, lives in Jacksonville, Florida now. Uh, Dennis, yes. Do you th- do, what do you think of my take that Bill Belichick perhaps uh, has outlived his usefulness because modern culture has, has made his style of aloof, dismissive, hardcore coaching uh, and truthful coaching hard to do. Uh, We'll start there. Do you think the start culture there. shift is hurting Bill Belichick?
2: Y- yes and no, but I also say if you're scared, go home. I don't think Bill Belichick is scared. I think if he's reached the point in his career where he even cares at all about what other people are thinking, then shame on Bill Belichick because there is no room at all in coaching for anybody who is scared. You have to make your decisions. You have to stand behind your decisions. Where I I get a little bit iffy on it is I think to myself, this is the same guy who cut Cam Newton. You know, I wonder, was he worried when he cut Cam Newton about what the social media, about what all the social justice warriors were going to say about that? And I don't think he did. I think he just cut Cam Newton and went on about his business. I think it was a horrible coaching decision last night, but I wouldn't say that he's someone I would think if anyone, Bill Belichick is almost bulletproof. He's reached a point in his life where his credentials speak for themselves. The man has done everything that you can do as a coach, and I think he's bulletproof. I think he is above and beyond criticism in the sense that he doesn't care what other people say. But I will say this. Most people do. That's the problem that we have. I think so many coaches— Coach out of fear. So many decisions that are made in our society, whether they're it's a leadership decision, whether it's personal decisions, people are afraid. What's gonna be the reaction? It took me back when we first started talking about this and you brought up Bill Belichick and you know the possibility that he was scared. It reminded me of a job I took in Las Vegas. When I walked in, you know, I'm coming into Las Vegas to work in a sports department with a guy who's probably about fifteen years older than me, a white guy and You know, we're coming from two completely different worlds. Something happened on the television and it was funny. It involved a black guy. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I'm gonna laugh because I think it's funny. And he looked at me almost as if he needed permission to be able to laugh and and, and make the comments that he wanted to make. And from that moment on, we sat down and we said, you know what, here's the deal. This is gonna be the opposite of the safe space. In this environment, say what you want to say. Speak your mind, let it be truth, and, and we're going to be good with it. And we have the best relationship. We have the best communication. But as a society, we've reached a point to where people are so afraid to speak their minds, especially on television, because you say what you say on television, then the next day you have to deal with the fallout. You have to deal with the Twitter mobs. You have to deal with all of those things, not even the next you know, day, the moment after you say it. And I think, you know, Bill Belichick's not a guy, to me at least, that I think would be worried about that. But I think we as a society have definitely reached the place to where everybody's afraid of everything.
0: All right, so Dennis, you're a longtime broadcaster. Let's take Bill Belichick out of the discussion. I do think broadcasters are measuring every word like it's a life or death situation. I'm a huge Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth fan. I'm watching this game last night. I'm looking at this decision uh, to send this kicker out there. And, and they don't go at this decision in any substantive way. And I think it was out of fear of like, and again, justifiable that if they did criticize Belichick, it would be distorted by social media, by the rest of the media. They would become the story. And, and so instead of discussing something that was very fascinating in this game, like Bill Belichick, is, this quarterback done completed 19 straight passes, 31 of 40, and you're going to send a kicker out there and leave this kind of time for Tom Brady? None of this was talked about and discussed. And I was, and I know Al Michaels, I know Chris Collins were. These are great broadcasters, but in this culture, I think it's hard to be a broadcaster
2: and be great. No, absolutely. I 100% agree. I felt like there was a moment when Chris Collinsworth wanted to. There was almost, I don't know if you remember, but there was like a little bit of a hesitation that he had in his voice, and he kind of stumbled a little bit and said, "I, I, I don't know. And he felt like, it felt to me at least, like he wanted to make a comment saying, I wouldn't do it in this situation, but when you get those larger than life figures, when you get the guys like the Bill Belichick, when you get the, uh, you know, coached out at Nick Saban in Alabama, when you get guys like that, a lot of media people are afraid to criticize them because they think to themselves, you know, hey, the next time I come into the building, I have to, you know, not only just the public reaction, but what's going to be his reaction, you know, because he's going to hear about it. He's going to see it. And I think Before, comments that people made in the media sometimes were there. You said it during the game and it was done. Now every clip is recorded. There's somebody recording it. Somebody's going to play it back for the coach. Somebody's going to put it on Twitter. A few minutes after, you know, you make the comment. So I think there's a, you know, the fear of the reaction from the public. But I think you also have a lot of broadcasters now that don't want to deal with the reaction of the coach because it's almost become kind of a buddy-buddy, pal-pal environment between broadcasters and sports figures. And I think a lot of guys don't want to upset that apple cart, especially not the play-by-play guys. You know, you have people who that's their lane. All they do is go after people. But I think you have a lot of these play-by-play guys and journalists who don't want to go after big figures and have to deal with the fallout of that.
0: Dennis, you obviously were in Kansas City at the beginning of my (laughs) career in Kansas City. And, and I really came into that role as a columnist in a major city thinking it was my job. And, and not out of some perverse ego or, 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 or just out of ill intent, but actually I wanted the subjects to be uncomfortable around me. When I showed up, I wanted to be, oh man, Whitlock's here. Let me measure my words, let me be careful Uh, Because I I just felt like a journalist's job or a media person's job, take even journalists out of it, you got to be comfortable in places where everybody else is uncomfortable around you. And that has been my career for damn near 30 years it's like everybody, oh man, we love here, and I don't care if you smile or any, <laughs> any of that when you see me. We're not here to be buddy-buddy. Uh, and and I got my friends, I'll be friends with Dennis Evans. I'll be friends with my boys from college. I'm not here to be your best friend. I'm here to do a job. And and, and that ethos and that mentality is, is gone. Shamika, I'm gonna I'm try to bring you into this conversation because one of the analogies that came to my mind just th- listening to Dennis talk uh, is, is, take Beyonce and mm-hmm. the Beehive. The Beehive is this social media mob that if anybody says anything about Beyonce, they coming for your throat, they gonna call you every name in the book. And again, this is what I'm talking about when I say social media has illegalized honest discussion and provides this huge shield of protection for elite celebrities. And we've put from LeBron James, he's got a beehive, to, uh, to Beyonce, to Bill Belichick, to, to uh, Cam Newton. Tony Dungy had some very mild criticism of Cam Dungy last week. And the next thing I saw over social media is all these bots or paid people coming after Tony Dungy and me as if Tony had said something crazy. But, but people can't see And the reason why I keep just going back and talking about it and talking about it is because these social media apps that are supposed to democratize and put everybody on equal footing and they're supposed to give the little guy, the voiceless a voice. That's not what they do. They actually protect the elite, and you damn sure better make sure, don't you say a word about Beyonce, or your uh, Twitter feed is gonna get spammed and smeared, and you're gonna be called every name in the book. I, I just, I look at this whole culture, this idolatrous culture, i uh minister, uh, <laughs> you know, this, we got an idolatrous culture that protects
1: elites. Right, we do and I'm so glad you steered it from sports because when it comes to sports I'm the one that's going to bring you a cold beer and refill the potato chips but <laughs> I do think that you can't say anything wrong about anybody. Just last week you said something about Cam Newton and I responded on Twitter and said ever since he started dressing like Aunt Pearl I was over him and people were upset said this is what's wrong with black women you know you focus on the wrong thing. Well I don't like a man dressing like a woman so so it would seem as if I could be able to say that and people would say, well, yeah, you know, he did start dressing like someone's old aunt and it's not, I'm not talking about his game, but I don't like men dressing like women. Why is that so hard for me to say without somebody coming and being upset about it? And so I do think that we have sissified society because you can't say anything about anybody. Instagram took a post down for me a few days ago, for harassment and bullying. I put up a picture that said, this is what most people think a Chinese uh, prostitute looks like, and it was a female, and then it said, but this is what it actually looks like, and it was a picture of LeBron James. <laughs> and so, <laughs> That's why they, <laughs> you're here. <laughs> and they took it down for harassment and bullying, <laughs> and I'm thinking, how can I, little old me, actually bully lebron james like so it's like he's above criticism and there are certain people that you just can't criticize and i was i was upset about that i thought instagram was being real wusses
0: (laughs) i I did not know that story that's fascinating uh it doesn't surprise me because and 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 literally it's like if you're not in that protected space if you're the little guy you, you could say that about corey or Chris mm-hmm. right and Instagram would could care less right but because you're LeBron James and you have so many million followers on Instagram and on Twitter and social they're concerned and we got to make sure that nothing ever gets said that makes LeBron feel uh, uncomfortable right. or that there's any sort of criticism and again people say all kinds of crazy things about me and it, it kind of, it rolls off my back. I, I see their Twitter cowboys. They're, they're not real people. And and, and Dennis, I, I'll be honest, the criticism and the heat that I take actually makes me a better performer. Without the heat, I would go soft. And And that's, we've turned down the heat in America no wonder America is going soft. It's like the only person, the only public figure, I was gonna say Trump's the only one, but anybody that supports Trump, you can say whatever you want about them too. (laughs) Uh, but, But the rest of America, we have to treat with kid gloves, and I just think it makes our society and culture soft, and I think eventually, That's going to catch up to Bill. But when all all these guys and and see what Tom Brady did for Belichick to me was because he Belichick because Brady allowed Belichick to coach him so hard. It made it that all the other players on the roster had to deal with it, too. I just think the further he gets away from Brady and having that public whipping boy in front of the team. I just think his job gets harder and harder.
2: I agree. You know what it, it brought to mind? I don't know if you followed the story, Jason, where the uh, basketball coach, the women's basketball coach at the University of Florida was was fired. His contract was terminated because he was considered to be abusive towards the players. You know, the things that, you know, he was saying to the players. And so I, I was interested in the story. So I started listening to what the players were saying that the coach did. Maybe some of it went, you know, beyond that. But it made me think to myself every coach that i've ever had my entire life would be fired if that's what harassment was if that's what being mean to somebody was then every coach i've ever had you know i heard players saying in the interviews you know we had people that would cry in practice he would tell us you're not a division one athlete you shouldn't even belong here i should take your scholarship That is every day, or at least it was, that was every day at football practice. I can remember hearing coaches talk about people's mothers, people, you know, just the things that a coach could say back then to you that you just knew was a coach coaching you up, trying to get you motivated, and that's what they did. Those same things now, you're fired. You are done. You are out of a job. And I'm I'm sure maybe there were other things he did, but it made me think to myself, We have reached the point, as I was listening to these players talk, about, you know, just basic, simple things. People were leaving practice crying, and I just thought, I cannot imagine with the things that were said to us as players, can you imagine walking off of the field because the coach said something to you that hurt your feelings? That just wasn't even an option. You brought this up, so I have to touch on this, because if people don't know, talk about not worrying about what people say. I remember when you came to Kansas City, it was, I was there in 1990, end of 94, 95. And I just remember, it was, it was almost like Omar was coming through because when you came into the press room, the whole atmosphere changed. It was like, uh uh-oh, here comes that dude. He's gonna ask crazy questions. But what I found was you became the shield because you started asking tough questions. You changed the whole environment so people could stand behind you and say things that weren't as tough as what you were saying. And it felt like they were starting to get a little bit braver. It spawned, you know, the whole sports talk show, you know, arena in Kansas City because people started looking at it and saying, this is what people like. And the public liked it. Back then, people wanted you asking those questions. And it, it sparked controversy. Almost started the Andre Risen fight in the locker room. I thought we were going to have to get into it with him up in New York. I will never forget standing in that locker room. And he came over and he was yelling, you made my mama cry, Jason. And the whole team kind of came around and I was like, this is my boy. This is one of those moments where it's going to be written in stone. I stood next to you, but I really thought there was going to be a fight in the locker room up there in New York after that game.
0: Yeah. uh, Andre Risen at a party one time. Derek Thomas had a party and Andre Risen told me he was going to kill me. And he said it like he meant it. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. Later in life, we became very friendly towards each other. And he grew up. I grew up. But, but I, I want to circle this back to both of you all are parents. And, and, and it's like my coaches never talk crazier to me than what my parents had talked cr- crazy to me. Right. I mean, my mother is famous at, even now at 82 on a cane. I brought you into this world and I'll take you out of this world. And just the stuff, my my father's passed now, but he, he always stayed critical and it was a sign of love. And it's like, I think because that kind of parental love is absent in so many kids that when they hear tough love from a coach, man, it feels like they just got shot with a gun rather than just getting a love tap, a pat on the butt and saying get out there and get them, you can do better than that. I I just, the breakdown of family, the breakdown of parenting is at the heart of all of this.
1: For sure, for sure. And I was gonna say, like, when it comes to my children, I have three daughters. So I can remember the baby girl crying because her sisters were teasing her. And I said, you're not gonna cry. You're gonna be able to come back with something harder. Like, you're not gonna sit here and be a little punk. I need you to be able to hold your own. And I can remember a teacher calling me one day, and she said, you know, I just, I have to tell you about something that happened in class. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe my daughter got hurt. And so she goes, um this little boy you know he told her that uh she looks like his left nut and <laughs> and i said well you know Did he hit her? And the teacher said, no, I just wanted you to know. I said, well, she can hold her own because I knew I had trained her at home and dealing with her sisters, she knew she couldn't cry over that. So I'm pretty sure she said something back to him and hurt his feelings even more. And she goes, so you're not angry? No, you know, I don't know if she wanted me to have a scene or, you know, want to talk to his parents. No, my daughter can hold her own. And whatever he said to her, I'm sure she said something right back.
0: Yeah, that's from the old sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. That used to be the mentality. Mm-hmm. We used to have the mentality, no pain, no gain. Now we just want to make life free of pain and we're gonna experience none of the game. Dennis, I I (coughs) wanna switch topics uh, to Urban Meyer news out of Jacksonville. Dennis, you you live in Jacksonville, used to work for the Jaguars franchise. You covered Urban Meyer when he was at the University of Florida. Urban Meyer's in some more hot water. Let's first take a look at the video of Urban at a nightclub, I think this past weekend, thursday friday some at some point friday saturday at some point this weekend here's the video of urban meyer at a club with a uh, a young lady uh appearing to twerk grind uh on urban a married man what you got that smile on your face <laughs> Shamika. uh <laughs> why are you laughing
1: are you so funny the to me. <laughs> No, I just seen people, you know, talking about it, and a lot of people are upset, and I didn't see anything wrong with it. You don't see... I didn't see... If you're
0: Urban Meyer's wife, you don't see nothing wrong with that?
1: Well, because I saw his arm kind of in between uh, him and the young lady, so whatever song was playing didn't turn into, You're making it hard for me. So, <laughs> I just didn't see anything wrong, like he was having a good time, and... Mm. you All know right. that,
0: that that's one take on it urban meyer appears to have a different take based off the press conference uh he had today where he basically apologized Let, let's let's take a look at uh, what transpired at his press conference today
3: yeah yeah I, uh, I just apologized to the team and staff and uh, for being a distraction is stupid uh, and so i explained everything that happened and Owned it and, you know, just stupid uh, should not have myself in that kind of position. Irvin, did you did you fly back with the team or did you stay in? Um, no, I stayed to see the grandkids and we all went to dinner that night at the restaurant and then there's a big group next to our restaurant and they wanted me to come over and take pictures and I did. And, and they were trying to pull me out on a dance floor screwing around and I should have left.
2: How did the team react?
3: I mean, they're pretty, probably pretty uh, reactionary. Here. You know, how did they take it, your apology? Well, I've always been so defensive of them. You know, I remember when Trevor told me he was going to go to Vegas for his bachelor party. I mean, I was just, my gosh, man, be careful and surround yourself, and because I've seen this happen. And, uh, and I just, so the team, the team. Uh, I spoke to a bunch of leaders one on one. Spoke to all the players. Uh, they're good. They focused on Tennessee and I apologized again for being a distraction and uh, a coach should not be a distraction.
2: What how, about your, how about your family? Did you also did you feel a need to apologize to your family? Yeah,
3: yeah, of course I did. Yeah, That's not me and that's uh, uh, oh yeah they were upset. Have you talked to Shad Khan about it and what was that conversation like? I did talk to Shad and uh, Um, very supportive and uh, Trent I talked to him obviously at length uh, right when I got that phone call that night uh, the next night. I stayed to
0: see the grandkids that that's I've heard a lot of excuses for hitting the club uh, but I stayed to see the grandkids is 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 kind of a new one. Uh, Shamika I'm I'm gonna ask you just for a little clarification, you just heard from Urban Meyer, you still see nothing wrong with that video?
1: No, if anything, I see something wrong with his apology. And I want to know when men are going to be tired of being publicly castrated. Um, It was just a short uh, clip of him dancing and you stayed behind, you went out to dinner or whatever, you had a good time. I think the issue is that it was on film or it was on camera and it made... News, but I don't see anything wrong with the act. I guess that you know, people don't like to see that or feel like you know, that's something wrong. I understand that he has a wife, but he's married, he's not dead.
0: Mm. All right, <laughs> uh, we've heard Shamika's take that legalizes Dennis and I to say whatever the hell we want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: that Dennis, I'm gonna
0: defer be. to you, you're the expert. You know what? I'm gonna defer to you, Dennis, you're the expert. Go ahead, you get us rolling I'll, here. I'll
2: say this, my mother had a saying, you know, if you kept getting in trouble and every time i come home, I'd say, hey, mom, I'm sorry. She'd say, you're right, you're sorry. You know, because after a while, if you're in Urban myers situation, this is a person who everywhere he's gone, there's been some kind of issue. There's always some kind of problem. If you go back to when he was at, you know, University of Florida, He, you know, suddenly had issues with his health and being down here in Jacksonville and covering the Gators and being around there during that time, you know, it was really not a secret. Urban's a guy who kind of likes to live on the edge. He had one image in public and always had rumors circulating around him of, you know, his behavior off the field. Some of that stuff's been verified and some of it, you know, really hasn't. But it's not a surprise, I think, to a lot of people, especially to Florida fans and people who have been around that program kind of know the things that he was into back then. And I think, you know, people tend not to change. You know, he went to, he, he left there, went to Ohio state, had the issues with the domestic abuse. He backed the coach, you know, who was abusing his wife and he knew about it and he let the person stay on staff, had that problem, came here to Jacksonville and we're, you know, four weeks into the season and you already have this issue. So, I'm a strong believer and I don't listen to what you say. I watch what you do. And if you watch every place he's ever been, there's always been some kind of problem. Now that night, the team lost to Cincinnati Bengals the night before. He decided he wasn't going to come back with the team. He was going to stay. He does have grandkids that are in that area. So he stayed in that in that area. His wife that night you know, had gone out to eat with him and then she went home and she was watching the grandkids while he was getting a semi lap dance up in the bar. And my problem is, you know, it's 2021. Everyone knows there are cell phones everywhere. If you are a public figure or, or if you're just somebody who has a really good job and you wanna keep your job, you better know, that wherever you are, somebody is always recording. Same way I told my daughter, any picture you take and send to somebody, you better know everybody's gonna see it, so don't send it unless you want everybody to see it. It's 2021, you have to know better. And I'm sitting and watching him and thinking, you're know, you saying you're sorry, but you're looking down the whole time, you're never looking up and making eye contact. I didn't feel like he was genuinely sorry, and I don't feel like he needs to be castrated, but at the same time, you know, what he did was wrong. You're a married man. You are the public face of an NFL franchise and you're out, you know, and you don't have sense enough to say to this lady, hey, get up off of me. You know, not not to mention the fact that, you know, the NFL has some of the strictest rules when it comes to COVID, when it comes to testing. We haven't even gotten into the fact that he's out there at a bar with this girl right up in his face, but at the same time, I'm sure telling the players, you know, be safe, make smart decisions. So it comes down to to me, basically him saying, you know, do as I say and not as I do. I think it's just a bad look for him all around. And I think right now down here in Jacksonville, if Urban Meyer wanted to move, he would not have to hire a moving company because people would gladly go to his house carry the furniture out to the street and take it wherever he wants to go because i think a lot of people have already grown tired of his act here in jacksonville
0: so let me say that uh i worked with urban for a short time at fox sports really liked urban meyer uh believe in him as a coach uh when he was involved in that ohio state situation uh had long discussions with his representatives when they were looking for people uh, to defend him and that situation he had uh, with his assistant coach and how he handled that. I think the guy's last name was Smith or whatever. And so I'm someone who tends to like Urban Meyer and have followed his entire career. He started out as Bowling Green's head coach, Mid-American Conference where I played. He's had success wherever he's gone. I tend to like Urban Meyer. Shamika, I, I, I just got to disagree with you. One of the things that Urban uh, talks about publicly mm-hmm. this is his Christian faith. Okay. And, and, and as someone who talks about their faith publicly, one of the main reasons I do it is to police my own behavior. I, 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 Dennis knows this. Anybody in Kansas City knows this. No one loved a strip club more than I did. By wearing my faith publicly, it uh-huh. keeps me out of strip clubs. Okay. Keeps me out of nightclubs, basically. Now, I, will I go to a bar and have dinner, drinks, whatever, blah, blah, blah? But you'd be hard to find me any place other than bed after 10 p.m. Uh, and so it, it, I'm I'm pretty boring, and wearing my faith gives me the freedom to be pretty boring. Now I said boring, I did not say that I'm free of sin. Right. I'm a, I, I'm a human being. I'm flawed, but there's like some white lines I have to stay between. Once you decide to wear your faith publicly, which he does and has. And so I I just think this violates all the rules. If he's not smart enough, as Dennis just pointed out, 2021, cell phones everywhere, I got a little hot blonde in my lap, publicly, public, and I'm worth millions of dollars? Again, this is no different than Robert Kraft, who did not, who does not, as far as I know, wear his faith on his sleeve, but it's like, hey man, this is a billionaire at a massage parlor, this just doesn't add up. He should build a massage parlor in his home and never leave the house. I mean, a billionaire? I mean, if that's, if that's how you get down, there's no reason to be out at the local uh, strip mall massage parlor. And so, this looks so sloppy that, that part of me, Dennis, and, and I know we talked about this earlier, Part of, part of this looks intentional. This is like the cheating spouse who really wants to get caught and is leaving condoms and dirty panties and, <laughs> laying around the house. And you know, I've been out of town for, for a month. Well, what's this condom doing here? What's this, why, Whose panties are these? I mean, it's just. This looks like a man that wants to
2: be caught and wants perhaps an out clause. Wouldn't surprise me as a guaranteed contract. That's we were joking earlier, and I said it wouldn't surprise me if he had hired the girl and the photographer too, and if she was wearing you know a T-shirt underneath that said USC because everyone knows that <laughs> right now if that man could go back and take the USC job and leave Jacksonville, he would. At the time, the thought of coming to Jacksonville, this franchise, everything that you know, you know, knowing that you're getting Trevor Lawrence who's coming in here. All of that sounded great at the moment. Urban Meyer was not built to rebuild anywhere. He's never had to rebuild the way he's going to have to rebuild in Jacksonville. And going to USC would sound a lot better than sitting here and sticking this out. And so many people said, I mean, after they lost that first game, you know, people were joking and the memes were out there and People were, you know, showing Urban Meyer falling down, saying my chest hurts, doing the Fred Sanford, or I'm having the big one, and you know, all of that. So it wouldn't surprise. Something about it just doesn't seem right, because like you said, it's 2021. You have to know, unless unless you're out in public and you've had a few too many, which it looked to me like he had had a few drinks. If you see later on down the line, the other pictures with him and the girls, he has a drink in his hand, he kind of has that, you know, a half a one, too many. And I, I think that may have you know blurred his judgment just a little bit. but this is a guy who knows. his wife was online and you have to tell me what you think about this Jamakerica his wife people were commenting and saying that you know he doesn't deserve his wife. he's you know too much trouble and she went online and liked the post. So that tells you right there, and he said in the press conference, his family was upset, and they have every right to be. He has drugged them kind of through the mud. He's had, you know, things kind of circulating around his name. And it's just Tom. If you want to be the head coach, if you want to be a leader of men, if you want to be the face of this franchise, then straighten up, get this job, stick to it, and lead them. If not, then it is better if he just goes ahead and goes on about his business. Samika, uh, ball's in your court.
1: Well, you know, if he publicly professes that he's a Christian, then I, as a fruit inspector, <laughs> I do think that it should line up. But that's why I don't let people pin stuff on me. They want to say, Are you a Christian? I say, I'm naked. And you can refer to first or second Nakalonians to see if I'm living up to that. <laughs> you know, but if he says he's a Christian, then yes, you do have to carry yourself a certain way. And you have to be mindful that the the camera could be on you at any time, but that's exactly why I won't let people pin stuff on me.
0: <laughs> well, let, let's, let's take his faith out of it, because again, none of this disqualifies his faith. Just, pour, he's a hypocrite like all the rest of us. But let's take faith out of it. Let's go to Dennis's point. If you just want to be a leader, and you, you want to stand in front of 53 other grown men, 15 people on your coaching staff, so that's 68 people, plus the 53 players. Uh, and so basically you're leading 100 people because of the support staff and all that other stuff. And, and you want to tell them the right things to do and not be a hypocrite. And, and, and that's, why, that's why his head's down, he looks so sheepish, because he knows he's undermined his ability to lead that football team. He knows, again, when he starts talking about a foot head coach should never be a distraction, football coaches talk with their players constantly. Don't do anything that puts us in a bad spot. Hey, I'm sure he sits there and tells them, as he said, Trevor Lawrence going out to Las Vegas. I'm sure all their cell phones and cameras everywhere. Be careful, Trevor. How can you say those things now when, what coach they got you on tape? You like the same thing I like. I know that girl. Uh, <laughs> when I was at Ohio State, you know, she danced like, I mean, because this ain't, that wasn't a, a, Urban Meyer's probably 58, 60 years old. That, Young tender, look, you know, twenty four, twenty five. That was that was Bob. That was some Bobby Brown tenderoni right
1: there. (laughs) What if he had said something and it was the wrong thing? Now I'm playing devil's advocate. Like, what if he didn't exactly know how to? I mean, shove her, or you know, could his helpers have come in and moved her away? Like, if I'm out and my best friend is there and someone's doing something crazy, she will step in because she kind of knows that I may be uncomfortable, but I may not you know, handle it the right way. What if he just didn't know the best way to handle it, so he thought this would be over, and I, as I said, he had his arm there, so she wasn't really grinding I'm on him. I, I know,
0: this, <laughs> now I'll just say this now. One thing I'm very qualified to talk about are lap dances. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I mean. <laughs> There's a re- you can put your hand down there to block or to cop cop a feel. Okay. I mean, there's there's two different reasons uh, to put your hand down there. And I'll just say this in terms of how to stop and prevent a lap dance and unwanted lap dances, it's really not that hard. I because I mean, again, you go to strip clubs and there will be people that will try to force a lap dance on you. That's not. You're not my cup of tea, sweetheart, and it's, just, it's not that hard See, to I get them up to do off that. of, you. huh?
1: I never had to force a lap dance.
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, Dennis, I I think Dennis, you have a little expertise in this area as well. Uh, do you have any suggestions on how Urban could have uh, stopped this potential lap dance from happening?
2: That that's like a fight. If somebody's walking up on you you don't even let him get close enough to, to, you know, to, to take a swing at you. And if you're in urban situation, she had to be comfortably close enough to him. You can tell there are other people around him in that situation. So that girl didn't weave her way through people to get to Urban Meyer. <laughs> she was clearly already standing close enough to him, probably facing him, to where all she had to do was turn around and drop it like it's hot. And if you see guys coming out of the back of a, a club, the one thing you'll notice is it's a lot of shirts untucked. So there's several reasons why his hand may have been there, and I don't think it had anything to do with the fact that he was trying to get her to move away from him. I think he just got caught up in the moment, wasn't thinking about it, and got good to him, and the next thing you know, He ended up having to go home and say, baby, you know, I made a huge mistake. And I think that's the kind of mistake. My mother would say you can do a lot of things, but don't make a woman look like a fool in public. You make your wife look like a fool in public and she'll make you look like a fool in court. You will pay for it.
0: Dennis, you made a point to me earlier about didn't his daughter on the day she announced her commitment to college or whatever didn't she leave him out
2: she basically said what his daughter said was you know i really want to thank my mom my mother did everything for me she's always been here for me you know she's taken me everywhere dad i'd like to thank you but you were never here for me basically is what his daughter said on that day i went back and read the quote she said you know she told him you weren't there for me so you know he kept saying and, that, and I think that's another thing where people don't really respect him because he keeps saying, you know, I need to spend more time with my family. So you leave Ohio State and you leave Florida and each time you're supposed to be spending more time with your family. Well, anybody who knows being a broadcaster and traveling, the kind of preparation you have to do to be away at those shows, going, you're gone, you're doing interviews all week long, you are not around your family anymore as a broadcaster than you were when you were a head coach. So if Urban Meyer's priority was family, then he wouldn't be coaching at all. Urban Meyer's doing what Urban Meyer wants to do, which is be a football coach and take care of itself. And the price you pay, oftentimes, I mean, anybody could tell you, no matter what field you're in, whether you're a head football coach, whether you're a business professional, no matter what you're doing, The family typically pays the price and as a head football coach you are sacrificing your family because it's not really possible to be there and raise your kids so there's some animosity i think his daughters know who he is and i will say this as a as a man as a man who was flawed somebody who was married and divorced my daughter always could look at me and know this is a true story i was in vegas and walking through a store one day And I I ran into a girl who worked at a club and my son was with me on that day. And the girl said, you know what? We need to grab lunch sometime. And she handed me her business card. And I took the business card and she walked away and we walked about probably five feet. And my son could not have been more than six at the time. And he looked at me and he said, hey, daddy, give me that card. And he took the card and he tore it up because he was not having it. Kids are not dumb. Kids know what their parents are doing, so trust me. His kids know exactly who he is.
1: So does his wife. And she's still yes. there. So maybe she has decided to let him cheat in peace.
0: Possibility. Possibility. But I, I think he's not going to lead in peace. You know, what, what happens to him in his personal life is really none of our business his ability to lead that Jacksonville football team, I think has been compromised. As Dennis is saying, the fan base there, already sick and tired of him. Uh, Don't don't go anywhere. We're gonna talk about uh, the Sopranos movie, The Many Saints of Newark. Uh, But before we do that, I wanna tell you about my friends over at ExpressVPN. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. That's what. Everything you browse, search for, watched, or tweeted is out there. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through and collected by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something that only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure, to keep my data private, when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop, or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit ExpressVPN.com slash fearless and get three months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash fearless. Go to expressvpn.com, fearless to learn more. Support the people who are supporting me and the content that you love. Do that right now.
1: Maybe some of the things you do
2: are God's favorite. by example we'll make the right
3: decision this kid's got what it takes as far as your nephew goes I'm listening stay out of his life
0: All right, welcome back. Uh, man, there was nothing I was looking more forward to than The Sopranos related movie, The Many Saints of Newark. I'm not sure if I've seen a movie I was more disappointed with than The Many Saints of Newark. Uh, wow, the Dickie Moltisanti story, I could have definitely lived without uh that movie was straight trash an embarrassment for hbo an embarrassment for david chase the creator of the of of the sopranos i i i don't understand how this movie well i do understand how this movie got made i think that any movie right anything that comes out of hollywood movie tv show podcast, anything that comes out of Hollywood has to be laced with some sort of woke narrative, some kind of racial narrative. It, 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 and they just jammed this new 2020 reality down the throats of a show that was created in the late 1990s, early 2000s, that wasn't remotely woke and, and they gave it a, a 2020 update, and they just tried to cram too much into it. Freaking thing was awful. And uh, I, I knew that uh, it was funny, yesterday I reached out to Dennis, and, and I was like, dude, have you seen The Many Saints of New- Newark? Because we were both uh, hardcore HBO people in the 1990s and 2000s between uh, the Sopranos, The Corner, The Wire, uh, Six Feet Under was halfway decent, although I quit watching it. Uh, <laughs> but they, you know, they put out a lot of great shows, and I, I was very hopeful that this movie was going to take us back to the days before everything in Hollywood turned woke, but uh, it did not happen, they ruined this movie. Uh, and so I called Dennis yesterday, and it was funny, I texted Dennis and I tell you, have you seen the many saints of Newark, Newark? And he's like, yeah, I'm halfway through it right now. And I didn't have the guts then to tell you, tell you to stop Dennis. It it only gets worse, (laughs) but, but I should have, did
2: you like the many saints of Newark? Jason, that was embarrassing. That was, you know, you hear people joke around and say, I wish I could get back like that two hours of my life. That was such an insult to the entire Sopranos franchise. And what what pissed me off about it was David Chase has always been so protective of the Sopranos franchise. And, you know, everyone said, why don't you, you know, when all back before all the characters died. Spoiler alert, in case you haven't seen the series. But anyway, if you know, back when Tony and all everybody was moving, they said, you know, maybe you should turn this into a movie or let's keep it going. So you mean to tell me you went through all the complications of this fade to black ending? Is Tony alive? Did Tony get killed? Ending of The Sopranos. To turn around and do this as a prequel? I mean, when I first heard about it and it was James Gandolfini's son who actually played the character of young Tony in the movie. And I mean, it was just horrible. I couldn't find one thing about it that I liked. Not one thing. And we both said the same thing about 20 to 30 minutes into it. And in fact, for me, it was about 45 minutes in. I thought to myself, how long is this? Because I've been watching for 45 minutes and I have no idea what this movie is about. Why are they focusing so much on Christopher's father? None of it made any sense to me whatsoever. And I mean, I have a hard time understanding how executives, the writers, the producers, how they sat down and did a screening of that and said, that's the winner. No, nah, not at all. That, that was truly I mean, my my expression was that was hot doo doo on a plate. I mean, I was expecting Thanksgiving dinner and they served up hot doo doo on a plate. That movie was horrible.
0: Dennis, I've watched The Sopranos TV show probably four times all the way through, start to finish, and watched individual episodes, and and what what I'm just beating my head about is like, Dickie Moltisanti, I, I know he was referenced during the show, but it wasn't like there were flashback scenes of Dickie Moltisanti throughout The Sopranos, and so to me, it was like, if you're gonna make a prequel to The Sopranos, make it about Tony's father, Johnny Boy. Yes. That was the person, make it about Johnny Boy and Livia, his parents and their influence on him and how they created him. To, to make it about Christopher's uh, dad and, and Tony's play uncle, I'm just sorry, I know Dicky Moltisanti was referenced, but he was not some huge reference in the show, particularly in comparison to Tony's dad, Johnny Boy, and his mama. That's who created him, and, and they turned it into something about this uncle, and, and I mean, just, and Shamika, I, I know you didn't watch The Sopranos, and, and you haven't seen this movie, but one of the most unbelievable scenes and moments in this movie was the lead character, Dickie Moltisanti, this gangster or whatever, uh, his father, who was also a mobster, brings back a young wife from Italy, straight out of Italy, barely spoke English. And the son kills his father over this woman. Hmm. Beats him and kills it. I don't care if I ruin the movie for y'all because the movie ruins itself. If you haven't <laughs> seen it. I don't know. I'm gonna give out all, all kinds of spoilers. Disappear if you haven't seen it. Or trust me, the movie's terrible. I, I can't ruin it. Uh, but kills the father and then starts, takes his father's wife as his side piece, as his Gamara, as they say in, in the Italian deal. And so the, one of the climaxes of the movie is. He finally gives her what she's been wanting, her own beauty salon. And this is all here's some woman out of Italy who now is, you know, a full-blown feminist after a few months in America and you know she's got to have her own business or she's not living up to whatever. He gives her the beauty salon. And her reaction is, and you tell me if, if you know any women that would be like this, in the 1960s, Uh, She gets her own business from her boyfriend or whatever, and her reaction is, I must confess, I was sleeping with your number one enemy, a black man who who killed a bunch of your uh, compadres and friends and blah, blah. I must confess this to you. You've been so nice to me by giving you this business. I must tell you that I've been banging this black man on the side who you hate and who has killed your friends but I have to get that off my conscience.
3: Uh huh.
0: Do you know a woman
1: that would do that? Absolutely not. <clears throat> she would take it to her grave. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, and, and the next thing you know, he's drowning and killing. It was, the movie was comically stupid. That was the dumbest scene to me, Dennis. Was there any scene that competed with
2: that in terms of stupidity? I think it was all a connection of stupid scenes strung strung together. The thing that bothered me the most was, if you watch The Sopranos, you know, one of the biggest fights that happened between Uncle Junior and Tony was when they were sitting at the dinner table together, and Uncle Junior said, you know, Tony never had the makings of a varsity athlete. Well, that was like a big, you know, thing between the two of them, and... The fact everybody who watched The Sopranos knows that and so they had a scene where they were sitting at the dinner table and I thought the guy who but by the way the guy who plays Uncle Junior is the same guy who plays Michael Prince in Billions I thought he did a horrible job acting in that I mean he he was not Uncle Junior you needed a different Uncle Junior such a distinctive character you needed somebody really good the guy who played Paulie, and uh, I forget the other guy's Silvio. name. But, uh, Silvio. Those, those Silvio. two I could kind of get into. I couldn't get it all into the guy they had playing Uncle Junior, but they had a scene where he goes, you know, when he said he now he doesn't have the makings of a varsity athlete, and it was just such a blatant, like, aha, see, we tied it all together. And I thought, David Chase, that's not what you do. That's not the way you wrote The Sopranos. The Sopranos was just written. It was produced. You know, everything about it, I liked. And I sat and watched this and thought, this is completely the opposite. Everything I liked about The Sopranos, this movie is doing completely the opposite. It was just dumb. But when that woman, as soon as she said it, and you were like, Shamika said, she'd take it to her grave. Yeah, she took it to her grave about 30 seconds after she said it because she opened up her mouth. And I thought, you really are going to tell this man uh, on this day, at this moment, he killed his daddy. You think he won't kill you? You are out of your mind. It was, it was just stupid. It was re- it, that was seriously a really bad movie. And if somebody makes the argument, if somebody watches that and thinks it's good, I, don't, I wouldn't even know what to tell you. Dennis, I will
0: say this. If you watch it and haven't seen The Sopranos, I do think it's better. When you carry all the baggage and you know what The Sopranos was, what the tone of the show was, what it represented, The Sopranos was anti-PC. And that was part of what bothered me about this movie because the whole forcing of this whole racial narrative is like, well, hold on a minute, that's not what The Sopranos was about. There were some black characters and episodes in The Sopranos but the sopranos wasn't a show about racial conflict it was a show about italian family conflict and here they come with a movie that's all about racial conflict and the black character that plays the lead on the ra- on the other side I-, I never could figure him out why should i care about him what was he really about what, what was the you know other than he was just a guy that wanted to be a numbers runner and didn't want to pay off the mob I guess but none of that rang true to me and I say that just because my grandfather on my father's on my mother's side was the numbers guy in Indianapolis at the at the uh, Chrysler foundry in Indianapolis and throughout the south side of Indianapolis and and it just wasn't that hard and again maybe it's we're not on the Far East Coast. Maybe Indianapolis is not a mob-controlled city or whatever. But, but they're making it like Frank Lucas had to get involved and all this other stuff. And I'm like, no, nah, man, my family's got history in this. Uh, black people and all, you know, hell, uh, uh, Malcolm X talked about it and wrote about it in his book right. about working for black numbers runners in New York in the 30s and 40s. And so they, they made it seem like, oh, there was this whole big feud and war between black people and the mob in, 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 in Newark. And, and look, maybe, it, maybe it was, and they just lived a different reality. But I, I couldn't, the whole Harold black character never made sense to me. And it was just forced into the show, I thought, to meet some 2020 George Floyd uh, movie style etiquette that must be met on every TV show. The only thing they left out of, out of this one uh, and I'm shocked how they got away I'm shocked there was no black male gay character in this uh, <laughs> just to complete the whole cycle I'm, I'm literally, that's the only cliche they didn't go into
2: But that's, to me that's the thing you're saying it, you know, if you didn't watch The Sopranos, if I had never seen The Sopranos and I watched The many saints of newark i still wouldn't have liked the movie because i never found any character that i connected with i never found anybody you know who i really knew what their motivation was what's driving this person what are they doing so i wouldn't have cared about the movie i would have had i not watched the sopranos i would have stopped that movie about 15 to 20 minutes in and said this is stupid i don't even have any idea where they're going with it. There was just too much going on and they were trying to include too many different people because of the tie to The Sopranos. I think if they had said, we're going to make whatever this movie is and make it completely exclusive of The Sopranos, they might have been able to do a decent job, but it felt so forced because they were forcing in all of The Soprano references. And because they were doing that, the movie itself never had any flow to it. There was never a reason why anybody was doing anything. So the whole thing never tied together. It was all just bits and pieces of references to the Sopranos mixed in with this race war which made no sense to me at all. So I never got any, you know, closure with the the you know the one black character that they had that was supposed to be the, you know, the enemy. I never got any real closure with him. The one guy ends up getting killed. So I just never felt anything throughout the movie. I just felt like I was watching like five different movies all put into one. So I think, just in general, even separate from The Sopranos, I think it was a bad movie.
0: It was. And I, I just, just like, it didn't even make sense or they gave us no explanation of how Harold even got in those panties. I mean, literally. Uh, uh, he walked into a building and she was standing outside of a car, smoking a cigarette. First of all, who leaves their woman out standing out on the street while they inside at the a club when her standing outside on the street basically advertise. Never mind. Somebody, Somebody who your, wants a brother to come take her? <laughs> In the 1960s, it would have been another <laughs> Italian. It would have, anyway, uh, Shamika, what's your favorite movie of all time?
1: Pretty Woman. Pretty <laughs> Woman.
0: Oh, there's a there's a cliche. There's a, I mean, every woman says that or every single woman says that.
1: Well, probably because I saw it when I was in college and a guy that I was dating said that she reminded him of me. So I watched it and I was thinking, I remind you of a prostitute. I was. <laughs> but it became my favorite movie, just how she kind of evolved and she was actually the girl of his dreams, so Mm. it's my Uh, favorite movie. Let me tell
0: you about my good friends at Good Ranchers. For truly the best quality food for everyone in your family, look no further than our friends over at Good Ranchers. I just had some this morning, right before the show. It was leftover from the cookout we had on Thursday when Jermaine Gill and the Good Ranchers guys were here. It was still Excellent, popped it in the microwave, heated it up a bit, awesome. Good ranchers eating good meat, 100% American-made, grass-fed, grain-finished beef, the best free-range chicken at a price their competitors can't compete with. You should hop on board with good ranchers because they have hopped on board with me and the content that you love and appreciate. That's the number one reason besides, beyond the quality of the meat and how good it is and how inexpensive and affordable it is. The number one reason you guys should be supporting Good Ranchers is because they support me, the Blaze, the content that's hard to produce in this environment where everything's so woke, everything's so anti-American. Good Ranchers believes in the same things you do, America. Free speech, Jason Whitlock, fearless content. Go to goodranchers.com/fearless, get twenty dollars off and free express shipping. Make sure you use the tag goodranchers.com/fearless. You gotta support these guys because they support the things you believe in. Great content, support of America, support of American values. GoodRanchers.com slash fearless. All right, don't go anywhere. We got our approval rating on Urban Meyer. Nerds! All right, welcome back. Time for my favorite part of the show, the approval rating. Uh, and today's uh, candidate or topic is Jacksonville Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer, uh, who you know we discussed in detail earlier in the show, Shamika, uh, a big defender of Urban Meyer, uh, you putting it in the air that you know is it, it you like Urban Meyer?
1: <laughs> I mean, I just kind of feel bad for him, you know, because I don't feel like he went out saying, I'm going to do something to embarrass my wife or do something. I think he went out having a good time and it just got caught on camera. Mm, mm.
0: So, if someone accidentally hits you with their car, you're like,
1: oh, I mean, you are still accident. hit, <laughs> but you know, the intentions were
0: good. Yeah, you thinking of the wife? Well, <laughs> I mean, it was just an accident that she was sitting in his lap. Uh,
1: all right, let's get to our
0: uh, uh, approval rating. Uh, in job performance, you know, and Shamika, we grade, every, as you know, everything on a scale of zero to 25. Uh, and then we add up all four scores, that gives you your approval rating. Uh, job performance, uh, the Jaguars are 0-4. Now, I, you know normally that would get you a zero score, but I can't throw out, like, man, Urban Meyer is successful at Bowling Green, successful at Utah, successful at Florida, successful at Ohio State. I think he could be or was on his way to being successful at Jacksonville. So I'm giving his job performance a 10 despite the 0-4 record
1: okay i gave him a 17. and i gave him a 17 because i think when you come into a new team and i was told that he has a new quarterback that it's going to take some time for him to really get his feel and he was a successful coach before so i added a few points
0: all right 17 i've got him at a 10. uh character i think it's hard This is a blight on his character. If you look at him at his press conference, he's got that long, dour look. He looks depressed. He knows he screwed up. He knows this is not a good look for his character. Uh, Certainly, I bet his wife would put his character probably at a zero right now. I'm going to give him a 12, though. Uh, He's about mid-level in terms of character, kind of right in the middle. I can't go all the way down on him, but. well, that was terrible. <laughs> right. I think that's what the young lady in the dance yeah, was talking about, sure. not me. Uh, so I got him right in the middle.
1: I gave him a 15, and I think if I had seen the apology prior to rating him, I would have taken it down further mm. because I think he just did it because he was made to do it, not because he sincerely felt like it's what he needed to do.
0: He kind of looked like... Uh, tiger woods remember when tiger woods gave that forced apology after the thanksgiving deal and he looked like a prisoner of war being uh being forced to speak to the public that's kind of what urban meyer looked like uh authenticity uh urban meyer wears his religious faith on his sleeve doesn't look real authentic right now, so, but but there's other parts of him where I do think he's authentic and bold, so I gave him a 14 in authenticity.
1: And initially I gave him a 25 because I thought he was being who he is. We just happened to get a glimpse of it mm. by mistake, but that's who he is.
0: Yeah, that's, he's a dirty dog, basically what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, all right, and then uh, it factor, uh, you know, the man's pushing 60, and he's got a Bobby Brown Tenderoni in his lap. Am I right, Bobby Brown did sing Tenderoni. Yeah, I got that right. I'm not that old where I forget the the classics. Uh, He's damn near 60, and he's got a young tender in his lap. Uh, So I think he has some it factor. I'll give him a 22.
1: And I gave him a 20 because I agree. I didn't even know he was 60, but I thought he doesn't look half bad. And he's been around for a long time. So he must have something.
0: Yeah, he's got a nit factor. All right, so I've got him at a 58. I've got him at Candlelit. Uh, Shamika has him at a smoke show. Uh, I get Shamika, Shemok show. You got him at a smoke show. You you, you put him on your level? You really want to put Urban Meyer on your level?
1: Is that my level? Smoke show, yeah. Well, I think I would be higher than that.
0: Oh, you would yeah. be blazing hot. Exactly. Blazing hot is the highest level I would be blazing hot. hot. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, good job uh, filling in for Uncle Jimmy, day one. Uh, I hope Jimmy uh, doesn't hear about this because he'll know his time is short. He's about to get Wally Pipped. Is it, is it Wally Pipped? Yeah, Lou Gehrig filled in for Wally Pipp. Or did I get that right? I got someone's gonna correct me. I'm not good with baseball, but Jimmy's—you know—he's gonna be rushing that rehab. He's in the gym right now. (laughs) He's like uh, Rocky Balboa and uh, (laughs) beating up the meat in the freezer, the whole nine. All right, have have you heard tomorrow? You hear tomorrow in the air? Yeah, freedom. I I love tomorrow. I miss tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: (laughs) We want freedom. I just want. I wanna be. I just
3: want. I wanna be. I just want. I wanna be. I just want.